Thank you, Mike, very much. Good morning, everyone. It's a blessing to see everyone here today. And we're looking forward to digging into God's Word once again. If you would be so kind as to turn once again to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to, I'm going to read the same passage that we read last time because we're still working through verses 14 through 23. I would invite you, please, if you're able, to stand with me for the reading of God's holy word. 1 Samuel 16, beginning at verse 14. Now, the spirit of Yahweh departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from Yahweh tormented him. And Saul's servants said to him, Behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And uh, when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and Yahweh is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent, sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So David was, uh, Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit <laughs> departed from him. God adds his blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Please do be seated. So, just a, a bit of review from last week to bring us up to speed. Um, this is all about preparation. And when you look at this passage, it can be... Uh, it, it's one of those little incidents and stories that just almost seems kind of incidental, kind of as an aside. All right, Saul's going through some kind of depression. He's got uh, some uh, affliction that is being sent by the Lord's hand. Uh, allowing uh, some uh, uh, demonic affliction even um, that uh, just makes him unfit to be around. And his servants come up with this idea that, I know, uh, let's uh, get you a subscription to Spotify and you'll be able to play the music whenever you want. Kind of like that. Of course, it didn't have that then. Uh, but uh, get... Get uh, someone to come play the lyre, a stringed instrument, um, and look kind of like a little handheld harp, and uh, that will take care of the problem. Uh, I mean, I, that's kind of an odd thing to just come up with, right? But uh, nonetheless, in God's providence, that's what they came up with. Saul liked the idea, said, go find me somebody, and wouldn't you know, somebody knew about this kid in Bethlehem who played the lyre really well. And by the way, also had several, several other really fine qualities that would commend him quite well to the service of the king. But of course, David had been anointed to be king. 
And you, when, this, when the summons came, we're not told anything about what David may have thought, what his response was, but uh, perhaps he was thinking, here's my chance. This is, I, I guess this is when it's going to happen. Um, and he's a, he's a teenager, probably upper teens, but he's, he's like, well, okay, uh, here we go. And he gets there and discovers that he is tasked with being background music. That no, everybody sort of hears and nobody really pays attention to. And yet he serves a, an important role in helping Saul um, keep a grip on his, his sanity and his ability to function. Preparation is often like that. And sometimes the preparation uh, that the Lord has in mind for us is not uh, in the sort of setting that we think would be ideal. Last time we looked at the context here into which David is called to prepare for his service as king. And it's not ideal. The context, in fact, is something that none of us would want. There's spiritual decline. There's actual judgment that's going on. It's not a pleasant situation. It would have been a real eye-opener for David to see this. And David must have wondered what was going on uh, with what, you know, as far as the Lord's calling upon his life and what, uh, you know, where this was all going to go. Because right now, um, he's just a court musician. And it doesn't seem like that's very much. You know, sometimes in our, in our preparations, the, the things that the Lord takes us through, when he calls us to do something, whether it's to an office in the church, whether it's to uh, some act of, of uh, service to each other, whether it's uh, a particular... Um, some of the words escaping me. A job that you do, career in life, um, that kind of thing. Oh, it's great when, sure, uh, somebody comes along and offers you, you know, sixty or seventy thousand bucks right off the bat to, to, you know, to go do something. But generally speaking, you kind of have to go through the mud and the slogging and the training and the, the difficulties and starting at the bottom. Um, before you can rise through the ranks, even when you know that the Lord has called you to do it. There's a, a few of you in here that have your own business. I'm pretty sure from my conversations with you that when you started those businesses, one here is in the midst of starting it, really pretty close to that beginning. There's challenges, right? You've got to build a client database. You've got to get your equipment. You've got to get the word out. It takes time. All of those sorts of things. And boy, you've got all these ideas. You've got these things. You're sure that the Lord wants you to do this. And it's like, well, come on, Lord. Help me do this. Let's get on with this. I'm ready. But the Lord maybe knows that you're not. And you've got to kind of grow into it. It's, you know, it's not all that uh, dissimilar to how you grow a church. One of the things that uh, I remember back in Oregon when we were starting the church there, oh, we prayed for growth. We prayed for growth here, right? Um, and uh, sometimes we'd get these spurts of growth and, and it, would be, it would be, 
it would come after a time of discouragement. Maybe people had left, or maybe just it, it just kind of kind of plateaued at this lower level of numbers, you know. And then people would all of a sudden show up, and we and it'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa! What are we going to do with all these people? How are we going to manage this? How are we going to oversee them well? How are we going to involve them? How are we going to do all those things? And you know what? The Lord is wonderful to us. If he gave us all the growth that we could ever think of or imagine of, we would implode. We wouldn't know what to do with ourselves. So he takes us through that preparation so that we're ready for the next step when he calls us to it. So this context of preparation, it's, this is not just a little side story. The Lord is telling us, how he's beginning to prepare David to assume the role of the king over his people. And it's small potatoes in a difficult context, nothing easy at all. But now there's another aspect of this context that we uh, didn't quite get to last week, so I'm going to pick up there. Um, and this is not so much any particular verse here, it's just sort of the overall uh, setting of this passage of Scripture. And that is the setting of the court, or to make it a little more general, the external order that David walked into. And this is a pretty big deal. Because when we think about context, yeah, we talked about the negative stuff, right? the, the decline spiritually, the judgment, the, those kinds of things. But order is a good thing. Um, even sometimes when it's not exactly the order that we would like, the order, the fact that the order is there is a good thing. And the Lord, we see this throughout Scripture, we'll see this a few times as we go through this little discussion here, how the Lord uses the order of the day to prepare His servants to do what He wants them to do, to give them a venue within which to work which if that order did not exist, nothing would happen at all. So the court itself in David's situation, the, the monarchy's existence, the external routines of that monarchy, uh, provided a structure for the governance of the nation, did it not? Even if it was misused by Saul, which it was. David needed to learn a pretty important lesson. Um, and this he's going to learn by observing and, rec and, and, and seeing the, what happens when this principle isn't followed. David needed to learn that being king did not mean that he could do anything he wanted to do. Saul seemed to have kind of gotten that idea. And with disastrous results. David needed to see that firsthand before he ever tried to step into that role. That was going to be something, if, you, if you're familiar with David's story at all, and you think ahead until he's king, that this principle of just not being able to do anything you want to do um, comes, to, comes to bear uh, 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 upon how he does his job. And sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's really bad. But he needed to learn this. And, and for the most part, David I really did grasp this. And I think this is where it began. It was going to be a lesson, though, that he would find hard to live, uh, to, to live out sometimes. Well, um, I want you to think about 
your own circumstances. Here we are in the context of our nation. Our nation with laws and structures within which we're compelled to work. These are times of testing and refining. I think we'd all agree that the powers that be in our nation don't always uh, abide by the laws and structures that have been put into place. And when they don't, it's not good. It has pretty bad consequences. And yet, um, the answer is not anarchy. That's my point here. You know, there are times when we get impatient with the order into which the Lord has placed us. Or sometimes we just want to change it all. We just want to throw it all off and start all over. But there's a lot of that, you know. Um, a little bit, there's a little bit of that thought behind the drain the swamp mantra, right? Um, I always get a little uncomfortable with that because there's a few people in the swamp that have good waders on that are doing their best to keep their heads above water that probably um, shouldn't be tossed. But for many who are so frustrated with the order and, and, the, and the misuse of it, it's like, let's just chuck it all. That would be worse than what we have now. Chaos is not a good place to learn. It's not a good place to grow. It's not a good place to thrive. Even if there's wicked men in charge, I'm not saying that we should just go, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Oh, it absolutely matters who's there. But let's be thankful for the order that we have and do our best to work within that order, whether it's nationally, whether it's within the context of the church. I've seen this happen uh, many times in churches Throughout the, throughout the years where people get impatient with the process. <laughs> so I'm, I'm smiling because I'm thinking about, we, we have the membership class announcement today. That's supposed to be six weeks, seven weeks. Depends on how much everybody talks. How long did it take us to finish membership class last, last year? I mean, it's just one thing after the other kind of interfered with things. And, and everybody that went through that was like, just, are we going to ever finish this? You know, and yet they were so kind about it. They were patient. Nobody said, let's just forget this. Come on, let's just skip over this requirement. After all, what do we need that for? They recognized that those, that requirement was there for a reason. And they worked within the process very nicely and very patiently. Um, and so, you know, yeah, within the context of the church, there can be things that we can get impatient with. Uh, whether it's in things like that, whether it's discipline, whether it's whatever else, there is a process to go through that we submit to because the Lord has put us in this context. David was working within the context. He, he did not say, but because I'm anointed king now, I'm going to go in and we're going to kick Saul to the curb and I'm starting over again. He might have been tempted to do that looking at some of the things that Saul did, but he did not. Think about Daniel and his friends in Babylon. They were thrust into an incredibly difficult context, an oppressive, tyrannical context that wanted to govern the very things that they ate. But they worked within that context, and the Lord prepared them to eventually take uh, roles of leadership there, within that context and serve 
uh, and serve their God uh, rather than serving the God of the Babylonians. I mean, even think about our Lord Jesus Christ who demanded that the structures of the day be honored. He told the people, do what the Pharisees tell you to do. Don't do what they do, but do what they tell you to do. He's the one who went in and cleansed the temple because the structure, the, honor, the order was not being observed. He was all about upholding the, that order wherever could, uh, he could. He even uh, you know, <laughs> told people regarding taxes. Give Caesar what's Caesar's and give God's what God's. Give, give God's. Give God what is God's. So that kind of willingness to work within structures, human external structures, the Lord doesn't put us into a vacuum. He doesn't throw us into chaos. He gives us those things as a protection for us. And though we might be impatient sometimes with it and, and justly grieved when those structures are misused, for the cause of wickedness, nonetheless, being able to be prepared within that structure rather than anarchy is a really good thing. Remember Paul when uh, he got uh, chucked into that jail in Philippi? You remember remember what he what he did um, when uh, he he, re, he reminded them that uh, they had just thrown a Roman citizen into prison, beaten him without trial, which is, was absolutely against the law. And Paul called them to accountability. He didn't go, let's throw off the Roman government. He used the Roman government itself and its provisions to uh, further the cause of Christ. He showed some wisdom there, did he not? Even when uh, they were, he got uh, there in Jerusalem, when the Jews wanted to tear him apart because they accused him of bringing a Gentile into the temple courts, and uh, they were beating on him and wailing on him, and and uh, he told the centurion, um, "Yeah, I'm a citizen, and uh, and not just one that I paid for the money. I I'm a born citizen of Rome." And you remember what the centurion was like? Okay. Because Paul understood how to work within that external order to get things done for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we have a context here um, in our country, within our church, within our families, all of these structures that the Lord has given to us. We need to welcome our Lord's preparation of us within these contexts. And learn to work within those contexts as best we can to serve the Lord Jesus Christ faithfully. So this matter of context is a pretty important one. And the Lord, as the Lord prepares David, we see this example here. We've seen him prepare his servants. We see see in the scriptures how he has prepared his Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, even within that context there of, of of a of a nation that is under the control of another nation and corrupt leaders and all that sort of thing. And yet out of that, of course, the ministry of our Lord and the disciples, the the church sprung into full flower and um, has been flourishing ever since. Now, let's move on to the next 
area uh, in which the Lord, or, or way in which, better way to put it, um, the Lord prepares his servants. Yes, in context, he puts us there uh, within that context, but he doesn't just plop us there and say, okay, just, just sit and observe. Um, go, go sit in your corner and look around and get what you can, take notes, and hopefully that will help. No, um, he puts uh, David to work, and he puts us to work within that context. So I'm, I'm uh, saying here, Yahweh prepares his servants by, well, we're servants, so it's by service. Okay, Let's think about this service. Let's start with a, a David's service. Saul apparently has been told that David is a shepherd. And as he says uh, to Jesse, uh, I, I'd like your son to come, the one who's with the sheep. And think about that for a minute. When did David's preparation for king begin? Was it when he walked into the court? Oh, no. Oh, no. It started years before. Before David had any inkling whatsoever that the Lord had anything particularly special in mind for his life. David spent his life, his time with the sheep, out in the weeds, all right? Out there in the, in the, in the weather, the hot and the cold, the rain, the sunshine, whatever it is learning individual responsibility. Nobody's out there looking over his shoulder to do the job. Learning discipline. Uh, learning how to deal with fears and dangers that were out there. He learned how to care for weak things under his care. That's good training for someone in leadership. He learned ingenuity, problem solving. He learned to be aware. He learned how to survive in uh, hostile conditions. All of these, as a young man, as a boy, before he uh, knew anything about uh, any little more formal training in the court. You know, think about our Lord Jesus Christ. In the various times that he spent in the wilderness, especially when tempted by the devil. Did you ever think about those times as preparing our Savior for the cross? Preparing our, our Savior to, to perfectly fulfill all that the Father had called upon him to do. Which at the end of his life, he's able to say, everything the Father said to me, I've said to you. Everything that the Father's called me to do, I've done. You'd be able to say on the cross, it is finished. That, that did not start when Jesus was hauled up before Pontius Pilate. It started at the beginning of his life. We get so impatient, don't we? We look around at the things the Lord calls upon us to do. We have big dreams. We have big ideals. We want to go out and do the, these marvelous things. But the menial tasks, the tedious tasks, the difficult times in the wilderness seem painful to us. just seem agonizingly slow. We just want to get on with it. And yet, if, if uh, we jump into things too quickly, we're not ready. Our muscles aren't ready. Our minds aren't ready. Our hearts aren't ready. 
We've, we have to go through the difficult times of serving the Lord, learning to be faithful in small things before we can be faithful in the big things. Now, we all love those days that we talked about last week, all those days of blessing and sunshine. But we learn best in adversity. We learn best when it's difficult, when there's a challenge, because we have to focus more. We have to figure out how to best use the abilities and resources that we have. So this serving for David in the wilderness sets forth a pattern for us of our own wilderness wanderings, as, as it were, in times of difficulty and want and challenge as the Lord prepares us for the next thing. This service, then, it graduates. Should, anyway. Eventually, we're serving not just in the wilderness, but the Lord, we, we graduate. And uh, David graduated, as it, as, it, as it were, and was able to then serve in the court. And the Lord gave David a place of service, and service that would expand from one thing to the other. Now, it's interesting. Think about, the, think about Saul. Think about King Saul. Where did Saul get his training to be king? There wasn't any. He got called to do it. He was terrified. <laughs> he had to go find him. He was hiding among the baggage somewhere over there. And they pulled him out there. He had a right to be terrified. It was, a, it was an enormous thing. Remember even Solomon, who had grown up in the court, who understood all those things. Remember what he would pray um, uh, to the Lord when the Lord says, what can I grant you? Solomon's like, I have no idea how to go out or come in. I, I, this is a great people. This is too much for me. I, that's why he asked for wisdom. Saul walked into this thing, I think, with fear and trepidation. Maybe some high hopes. This is pretty exciting. He's anointed by Samuel. going to be the king. Everybody's, woo Saul, let's go. But Saul uh, didn't have any training. Perhaps he had some guidance from Samuel. We're not told about all of that. I think that that is, is likely, that Samuel had a few things to him. Particularly Samuel would be mindful of what God had told his people um, through Moses about how, to, how a king should behave and what a king's duties were and all those sorts of things. I'm sure he got some guidance there. But unfortunately, as you see Saul's life play out and his, his, his monarchy play out, you get the distinct impression that the greater influence on Saul was the patterns of the monarchy of the nations around. And that wasn't a real good pattern. Oh, there were things there that helped him erect structure, structure within which David would work. But those, he would look around and say, well, what do they do? I mean, the whole thing started off that way, didn't it? Within, with the nation saying, we want a king like all the other nations around us. And Saul tried to deliver on that. And he was successful in setting up a structure. But we can see that he really did not fulfill his office well overall. Yahweh is going to prepare David, um, his true king, um, in place, serving in the court, learning the ropes, and, and, and how to take the structures that were there 
and turn them to a, a means of glorifying God in his leadership. You know, this principle uh, is understood by the Apostle Paul. You remember how he explains an important requirement for leadership in the church. This is in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. An overseer must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. It would be e- easy um, to, to get, into, get into place and start, oh, well, I've got dreams, I've got vision, I've got drive, I've got things I want to do. But if we uh, get ahead of ourselves, it's kind of like uh, running downhill. You can do that for a while pretty well, but after a while you can get going so fast that uh, the momentum overcomes the ability of your feet to stay under you and down you go. And it seemed it was kind of that way with Saul. David needed to learn the ropes before he took the reins. I think I just mixed metaphors there, but anyway. (laughs) Think about another king in preparation as a boy. The Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that 12-year-old sitting in the temple. Amazing the leaders that were there. What was he doing there? Some of the leaders that he, that he just astounded there as a child would no doubt 20 years later be among those that called for his crucifixion. But for the moment, the Lord was preparing his Messiah within the confines of the temple, making connections and an impression and laying a groundwork that... Uh, is all, was all part of fulfilling prophecy and making it obvious for anyone who cared to look that this is not just an ordinary young man. And eventually, when he was 30 years old, 18 years later, he would be presented publicly to the nation. That's a long time of preparation in obscurity. And yet within the context of that nation, once again, um, where, he, where he would be most serving. When, when was the next time that we know of that Jesus, or I should say, yeah, what, when was the next time and what did Jesus do the next time we know of that he entered the temple? Cleaned he cleaned it out, didn't he? Yeah. So we need to be patient as the Lord prepares us by, by service. And then uh, finally, this morning, I'm going to talk a little bit about serving within a chain of command. And this one, it can be hard, hard for us. Uh, it can be really hard for us. Here's David. He's been anointed as king. And yet, he still walks in as being subject to his father, and to King Saul. David didn't go, nope, not going. He walked obediently before both. Now recognizing that that chain of command existed and was therefore a good reason that there was a divine appointment of that chain of command, 
David recognizing that would prove to be a pivotal thing on more than one occasion uh, in the, the years of turbulence and difficulty that would follow. Now here, Jesse demonstrates a little bit of this chain of command. He sends a gift to the king of bread and uh, sends the goat, sends the cheese, or wine, I should say, bread and wine and, and a goat um, as, a, as a present to the king. You don't go empty-handed. It shows honor to the king. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that Jesse and probably much of the rest of the nation, at least those right around those environs, would know that Saul was having lots of problems. Jesse knew that his son was anointed to be the king. And yet Jesse shows honor to the king who was in office, working within the chain of command. Uh, David um, would demonstrate that honor for Saul many times, even as Saul chased him all over the countryside trying to kill him. That's a pretty hard thing. Pretty hard thing. Let's think about our Lord Jesus Christ. Thinking about the chain of command. Did our Lord Jesus Christ work under a chain of command? Oh, absolutely he did. Is he as much fully God as God the Father? Yes, he is, according to the scriptures. <coughs> and yet he tells the Father in John 17, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. It was Christ's perfect obedience that made him fit to be our Savior. He worked within that chain of command. And then he includes us. <laughs> he reminds us of that chain of command. And he says, uh, going on in John 17, As you, Father, sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. You and I are walking under a chain of command as well. It would be very easy for us to want to end run the authorities in our lives, the structures in our lives, because we've got a better idea. But the results are usually disastrous. Years ago, when I was in high school, um, this might surprise some of you, but I thought I knew everything. Why are you laughing? I was working for a nursery growing center and um, great people their names were the Nips and uh, Mr. Nips and Mrs. Nips were great people to work for very patient which is a good thing uh, I was not so patient in those days and so we had uh, <laughs> it was an interesting way that that place was built all the greenhouses were up on top uh, for selling, but then the growing ones kind of marched down in terraces down the hill. You remember that place? Bob, yeah. Anyway, Nips Greenhouses, out on the highway. Anyway, marched down the hill, and they, these big growing uh, greenhouses were there. And in between each one was a road, a narrow road, but because of the terraces and so on, they had dug nice ditches on the uphill side to prevent water erosion and everything. 
those ditches were always full of water. We had a um, ton and a half flatbed truck that we used to haul things around. And um, one of the instructions that Mr. Nips had given to me was, don't drive down the road between the greenhouses. If you want to get to the other side, you have to go up and around, um, which to my mind was a colossal waste of time. I can drive through this. It's perfectly wide enough. I can drive through this. And so one day I decided, I was in a hurry, and I decided to disobey because I knew better. thought I'd take the shortcut. Did not follow the chain of command. And uh, I'm driving along, and I think, this is just fine. And I don't know whether I looked, I don't know what I did, but next thing I knew, that truck was buried in the axles. There was no way I was getting out of that and covering this. It's like, oh man, that thing was just stuck. So I had to go and, and uh, tell my boss, <laughs> look to me, you dummy. <laughs> In the providence of God, they were re-graveling the two roads. In fact, that was one reason why I, that was, yeah, I remember, that was one of the reasons why I decided to take the shortcut, because there were big dump trucks going down the, the one side, and I didn't want to wait for them to get out of the way. So I took the shortcut. It's a good thing there were two of them. It took two of those trucks to pull my truck out. That's how buried it was. I've since learned, don't take shortcuts, particularly when you're told not to. It's, a, it's just a bad idea. Uh, uh, the chain of command exists for a reason. It's for um, uh, order and progress and, and good productivity. So uh, even when we get patient with these things, we think we have a better idea. And yes, I can do this without penalty, without consequence. Oh, be sure your sins will find you out. Um, that's the way that works. Let's learn to serve within the chain of command that the Lord has for us. Now, I'm going to stop here. I would like you to do something for me this week. Take a look at verse 18. We're going to spend our time and wrap up this particular passage by really taking a hard look at verse 18 next week. Because this is the heart of this passage. And it brings all of this together in this description of David. And I hope to show you how that works next week. But let's think about this preparation idea here that we see laid out for us. Let us not be impatient and anxious to throw off the, the, the context that we find ourselves in. Um, let's not be anxious to throw off all authorities that uh, we think are are wrong or that we disagree with, they might be wrong. And the authority structures may very well be totally corrupted. But let us learn to work within those things, challenging them where we can and where we, in this country, we have the right to challenge them and we should. But let's work within those things and uh, let's not uh, be those that either nationally or within the church or individually advocate um, essentially anarchy in the name of righteousness. The Lord put us in, these, in the situation, in the time, in the place that we're in to prepare us for the next step. Let's prayerfully consider all that he's put in our place, in our way, and by his grace, take advantage of these things so that we can be ready to serve him at the next step as we are striving to be 
servants who serve the Lord and live before the Lord after his own heart. With that, let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this most interesting passage. It seems so minor uh, of a story, uh, to be such a minor thing, uh, of David's uh, first job um, with the court. And yet, Lord, we see greater principles here at work as you're preparing him to serve you. Lord, in our own context, let us humble ourselves before you. Whatever you call us to do, whether we're young and we have what would seem to be many, many, many years ahead of us uh, of things we want to do, or if we're older and have fewer of those years ahead of us, Lord, for all of us, we are on a path of progress towards you, to being more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to serving you more and more faithfully and efficiently and in a way that glorifies you uh, to greater and greater degrees. And Lord, there's just our relationship with you that we, we need to be moving from grace to grace and glory to glory, loving you and loving you more. Lord, as we pursue those things, Let us not be impatient to run ahead of you, but gratefully and prayerfully and humbly walk in your presence, thankful for your marvelous preparation of your servants. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.